0: Thank you for your welcome. It's good to be with you again this morning. We pray God's blessing on our time together as we look at a most famous episode in the life of Jesus and the disciples. Seems to me that there is a lot of fear Out there in the world, you don't need me to actually mention the coronavirus outbreak. This was driven home to us at Mersey just this past week. Somebody went to the doctor's surgery, they'd been to Thailand, and they got a bad cold. And they immediately shut the surgery down. Everyone who was there had to go home and self-isolate. And the surgery was shut shut for three days. It was opened again on Friday, but it was a false alarm. Thank God it was a false alarm. But they had to go through the motions. And the fear spread around the island. It really did, that uh, something... uh, come so close to home that is affecting so many people worldwide. You, we don't need to go into details about the fear that is spreading worldwide because of that. There's a pollution issue out there as well. We saw an example of that, didn't we? This week with the Extinction Rebellion uh, uh, demonstration. And people are very concerned, even Fearful, very fearful about what is coming on the world because of pollution, air pollution, plastic in the seas and everywhere, and the, the climate change associated with all of that. What about those terrible floods? Those poor people in Ironbridge and other places who have been flooded out. And people are frightened about what is coming upon the world. We have personal difficulties to boot, don't we? You would be a very unusual human being, indeed, if you didn't have personal problems and difficulties with health, with finance, within family, within relationships, whatever. Don't be surprised if we have difficulties. Jesus himself said, did he not? In this world you will have trouble. But don't forget, whatever you do, what he said next. Because he said, fear not because I have overcome the world. I want to suggest to you that there is a wonderful antidote to fear. There really is. As we come to the Bible, we're going to read from it in in a short while. It has been calculated that within the pages of Scripture there are 366 references to fear not. That means there's one for every day of the year and one for the extra day in a leap year to boot. (laughs) I don't think that is a mistake or, or a coincidence. One for every day of the year. So the Bible is a good place to turn when we're fearful. And of course, linked with that, our Christian faith is a good antidote to fearfulness we need to remind ourselves when we get a bit frightened and upset and fearful that God is sovereign Mm. he really is sovereign and we need to get a grip of that sometimes, I do anyway when we become fearful and the third thing I've got on my notes here as an antidote to fear is hope hope, not a wait-and-see kind of hope, but a sure and certain hope that we can have in the person of the Lord Jesus, in the truth of the Scriptures, in the fact that God is sovereign. And fear and hope are wonderfully illustrated In uh, this episode that we're going to read together, Jesus walking on the water. And it's found in the the version I'm going to read, the account I'm going to read is Matthew's one, chapter 14. And starting at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. On the water, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Amen it's worth noting the, the background to this uh, amazing miracle the first part of that chapter Jesus heard that his cousin the one who he'd probably almost certainly grown up with who he was very close to John the Baptist, had been beheaded. Jesus was grieving. And he didn't hide himself away in sorrow. He carried on as normal. But he was grieving. And it's worth noting too that... uh, Jesus had performed one of the most amazing miracles on that mountainside, feeding 5,000 people. And it says in one of the accounts, besides men and children, so there could possibly have been double that, Jesus performed that miracle, teaching his disciples a bit more about his power And about what he could do if people trusted in him. And Jesus would have been very tired. In the busyness of life, Jesus did get tired. We read it, don't we, on one or two occasions. And so, he retreats even from his disciples, alone to pray and to recoup and to uh, interact with his Father God through the Holy Spirit, of course, to boost his ability to carry on, even though he's grieving, even though he's tired. And Jesus sends the uh, disciples on ahead of him, across the lake. And I don't know whether the moon was shining down on the lake, even though it was very windy. I picture it sometimes, Jesus seeing that little boat, struggling against the waves and the wind, not getting anywhere in the middle of the night. And so he decides to go to them, to their aid, to their help. He could have materialised in the boat just like that if he'd wanted, couldn't he? But he chose to walk upon the water. And those disciples were struggling. They were tired. They were wet. And they were fearful that they wouldn't get to their destination and then their fear is doubled because they see what they think is a ghost walking on the water. And it says then they were terrified. They'd never seen anything like this. Their fear was redoubled. But it was proved groundless, their fear, wasn't it? By the presence of of Jesus coming to their aid in our struggles in our fears that we have we need to keep close to Jesus because he's waiting sometimes waiting in the wings to for us to realize that actually he is close close by we have fears for our families and we are not immune as we've said but if we are a follower of Jesus we have the presence of the Holy Spirit not just close by not just at our beck and call but within us And that is something miraculous. It's something special. And it's something we cannot do without. in our struggles and in our fears. We can share and tell the Lord anything. Anything. Can we not? There are things that we can tell him that we wouldn't tell another living soul. That really is truth, isn't it? We have a grandson who recently split up with his family. And as so often happens in situations like that, the children are being used as blackmail. And it's a very, very hurtful situation. And all all we can do really is Pray, yes, with our close friends, but pray and leave it with the Lord for help and for a resolution to this awful situation. With our health issues, the same thing applies, does it not? I've been having a bit of trouble um, walking with my mobility. My lower legs seem to lock up and get very painful if I spend a lot of time on my feet this has been going on for a couple of years I got fed up with it and mentioned it to the doctor so now I've got to have tests they're going to check the blood pressure in my lower legs on Thursday so um, things like that we can leave with the Lord knowing that he knows the answer and try not to be too frightened of of what that could mean Leave it with him. Those words of Jesus as he approached as he approached them on that lake, come to us today in Brightling sea. What did he say? I'll read them out. Take courage take courage and it's, not, it's not just that what we tell children when they're upset or fed up or whatever uh, cheer up cheer up it's more than that take courage we have reason to be courageous we're on the victory side are we not And one day the world will see Jesus returning in power and great glory to take control of this sad earth. And if we're followers of Jesus, we're going to be part of that. I can't wait. And yet, I don't want it to happen just yet because there are lots of my friends, family in particular, who don't yet know Jesus. And so they need a bit more time so it's a dilemma, isn't it? <laughs> We're caught between two things. Take courage, he says. It is I. He makes himself known to them. He's saying, no, I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I'm real. It is I. It makes all the difference in the world. When you know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. Brings us hope. Brings us encouragement. And the difference Jesus makes is all the difference in the world. And then he said, fear not. Don't be afraid of of me walking to you on the water, of not getting to the other side of the lake, of struggling and getting nowhere, don't be afraid. Whatever it is, fear not. came across an old hymn that um, illustrates this. You may remember it. I was brought up on these. (laughs) It shows my age, I suppose there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no not one no not one, none else could heal all our souls diseases, no not one no not one there's not an hour that he is not near us, no not one, no night so dark but his love can cheer us no not one was there a gift like the Saviour given? No, not one. Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. There are... Many, many scriptures that uh, we can use. I've got loads of them marked here in my Bible. Whether we'll have time to get through them all, I don't know. But let's just have a look at Colossians 1. Verse 27 To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Cling to that. Christ in you. The hope of glory. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, that's a deposit guaranteeing our place in the kingdom of heaven. Nothing can separate us from the love of God Romans eight thirty five. Another thing that can give us great hope is mentioned in Titus, that little epistle which we seldom turn to, I don't know why. Must be that one, yes. What a wonderful hope we can have that Titus speaks about in chapter 2, verse 13 and on. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. There are many who are thinking we're in the last days before Jesus returns in person in with power and great glory. The, it's described there as the glorious Appearing, won't it be just that when Jesus returns and takes control of the coronavirus if it's still there, of the global uh, weather patterns that are changing, of the pollution? He'll have the answers to it. Don't worry about what is coming on this world, Christ is the answer. He has the answer to everything. And this is a hope that is sure and certain it's going to happen. If you need evidence for that, there are a couple of dozen or three dozen references to Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And it happened exactly exactly All the details were fulfilled that first Christmas foretold in the Old Testament about how he would come, where he would be born and what he would be be, uh, like. He would be the saviour of the world. There are hundreds and hundreds of references telling us right through scripture about the second coming. Of Jesus where he will be come King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the world will be shown what a, a, um, a world uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, empire if you like will be like there's been lots of empires Alex, the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, you've got the Roman Empire, the British Empire. When Jesus comes, it will be a truly global empire of peace and truth, and everything will be made new when Jesus comes back. Be assured of this. Place hope in that fact when things go a bit amiss and we get fearful. I sometimes wonder, whatever possessed Peter to say, Lord, if it really is you, can I come out and walk on the water with you? (laughs) I'm not sure that I would have done such a thing. (laughs) But Peter, being Peter, he he said it. And he did. Jesus said to him, Come. (laughs) And he did walk on the water for a little while. And then he became fearful when he started to think. And I think this is the reason really why Jesus went walking out on the water to them. I think this is why somehow Peter was prompted to ask Jesus to walk on the water because he said those three words that all of us, need to articulate some, one way or another during our lifetime and everybody else as well, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Oh, I wish some of my family, my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren would understand, come to know and to say, Lord, save me. And you can echo that sentiment, I'm quite sure, can't you? And immediately it says, immediately Jesus didn't say, hang on a minute, I'll be, I'll be there to, with you in a minute. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him safe to safety from sinking below the waves. You see, Peter's little faith, because Jesus um, told him off a bit afterwards, uh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? But he had some faith. He had a little faith. And that was enough because he said those three words Lord, save me. We should pray more and more that our friends, family, uh, Relations, neighbours, would come to know and understand why they need to say, Lord, save me. And now quickly as we close, we come to the reason for the journey. Across the lake to those people who hadn't uh, yet uh, heard Jesus speak, Or hadn't uh, met him yet, the people who lived across the other side of the lake. They could represent those people, our family and friends, neighbours, those we've been praying for perhaps for a long time. People who are fearful of the future grandson of ours that I told you about, he's fearful, very fearful apart from the terrible situation he's in of uh, climate change and of so-called global warming and all that could mean for the human race. He's very upset and frightened about that behind the scenes as well. Seems to me we have an unprecedented opportunity with all the fear that is around today to hold conversations with people what would you say then if someone said to you I don't know what the world is coming to would would you say oh no I don't I agree with you. We should say, well, actually, we do. I do know what the world is coming to. It's coming to a great conclusion when Jesus returns. Things are getting really bad, aren't they? People might say that to you, mightn't they? Or something along those lines. How would we answer? Don't just agree with them that things are very bad. Because we know they must get bad before they get better. Jesus intimated that just before he returns in person, if things globally would, uh, would have carried on, There will be no one left alive. That's an awful thing to contemplate, isn't it? He will come and he will stop the extinction of mankind when he comes. We know the future. One other thing people might say to you I don't know what's going to become of us. You see, we do. We know. And it's a good thing, I think, in those situations to quote the Bible. Sometimes I, I would say, um, well, the good book says this. The good book says that. It's an oblique way, if you like, of mentioning the scriptures. And I wonder how many people would be open to discussing the future of the world. And then it can be tailored round, moved round to, to a personal Faith and trust in Jesus. A personal testimony, once you get talking to someone, is very uh, useful and valid, is it not? And look and pray for opportunity. The opportunities are out there. We need to look and pray for them. As we live our lives seeking to follow in the footsteps of those disciples, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and to reach out into the world with the good news of Jesus and his love. I'd like to finish then by two quotes. If you forget everything I'll say, don't forget the words from this book. Uh, Hebrews. Six nineteen. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Nothing can move it. And then in back in Romans, uh, that one.